name is Yulin from KendoWork. I'm here with uh, Dr. Blake Bennett, uh, who is uh, a PhD from the University of Canterbury. He's a lecturer in the Bachelor of Sports, Health, and Physical Education degree in the School of Curriculum and Pedagogy at the University of Auckland. So Blake completed his doctoral degree in 2016 in the field of sport coaching uh, with a focus on the pedagogies used by rugby coaches in New Zealand and Japanese secondary schools. Uh, right now, his research is focused on uh, two lines of inquiry uh, around uh, the pedagogies, the online pedagogies in a high performance sports coaching context. Uh, and on the influences of child safeguarding policies on volunteer coaches. Um, so Blake has also been coaching uh, in the volunteer space for 20 years. Uh, he's the current coach of the men's uh, New Zealand kendo team. Uh, and most importantly, for our purposes, he's a longtime uh, kendo practitioner and uh, kendo world contributor. So uh, thank you for taking the time out to, uh, to chat with us. It's my pleasure, Elan. Thanks for having me, mate. So, uh, you recently wrote an article for Sports New Zealand um, talking a little bit about uh, sort of online coaching. Do you, do you want to talk about that a, a little bit? Describe the article? Yeah, sure thing, man. Like, as you said, Yulin, like my, my, uh, my primary role at the moment when I'm coaching uh, is that of the, of the New Zealand men's kendo team. Um, and, you know, moving into the, into the pandemic uh, era uh, where we we just had we were so limited in what we could do uh, on the floor. It became really important for us to emphasize what we were doing in the online space. Um, you were already starting that even before coronavirus, right? That's right. Yeah. So it was for us. It was a pre-pandemic sort of decision, right? We we've got, and it's probably um, pretty similar for a number of sports, let alone kendo uh, kendo teams that when you're at that representative level, we've got people dotted all over the country and, and even all over the world. We've got, we've got um, people in Australia and, and Japan and, and the UK and so on. So how do we, the question for us was how do we connect our, our athletes, our team members um, across those borders, geographical, you know, time, all that sort of stuff. And so we went straight for the, uh, for the online um, coaching platform uh, we that we found called Coach Now, um, but you know there's a number of different ways to skin that cat. We we decided to go for this particular platform, and what it was it was essentially a way for us to structure the group uh, into uh, nice manageable um, numbers, you know, two to three, uh, and we made sure that we had a little bit of leadership uh, tied into there as well. Some some people who had been uh, previously represented the uh, New Zealand at the World Champs, so that there was a little bit of alignment. Uh, in, in values, I guess, and what we wanted to champion there. Um, so yeah, we, we were underway pretty pretty early in the piece with that that online uh, approach, and it just so happened to be a really um, uh, helpful um, transition when we went into you know into lockdown. Uh, I don't know if your viewers are aware, but New Zealand went into pretty strict lockdown. Um, where have you gone, mate? Yep. So, so what makes um, an online coaching platform different from, uh, say, like an online school platform like Blackboard or Canvas or just regular social media? I mean, is it 
Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you know, my job as a lecturer, we have uh, a similar um, setup. We've got Canvas, right, which is which is not too dissimilar from Moodle or or Learn or any number of uh, other other approaches. Um, the the decision to go with Coach now um, because it's a paid uh, a paid app, right? So that sort of ex- potentially excludes some people from using it because you know it costs a bit of, a bit of coin, and we're all amateurs here. Um, but the decision was primarily based around uh, the specificity of the app. It was for connecting coaches with their athletes. And if we were to use Facebook or, or something like that, free to use sort of uh, social media, absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think it would achieve, you know, with the, with the tools that you have, the same sort of purposes. But because it was a specific app built for the, for the purpose that we had in mind, uh, it, it really sort of added to the sense of professionalism that we were trying to get across um, as management. But also I've found that it tends to limit or potentially limit the other distractions that you have. If you've come onto the app to, to engage and talk about your kendo or, or you know, deconstruct something that you've seen on YouTube, there's all this other you know, column of notifications and messages that you and it, it, it takes the attention away. We're talking about a group of athletes who are amateur in as much as they don't get paid for this, but the expectation is that they're high performance, right? So we want them to be focused when they're there to talk about kendo, when they're there to deconstruct what they've done, uh, what they've been thinking about. It's really important that we have their have their attention uh, in that moment, and that's that was primarily uh, why we went with it, and and it's it's starting to show. I think. So so to your mind, like, what are some of the killer features of, a, of an online coaching platform or what, what, what were some of the criteria that you were evaluating one from the other on? Or? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, as I say, um, uh, I acknowledge that first of all, that there's a, a number of different ways to, to do it. Right. So I don't want to sort of um, sell one particular app over the other. Yeah, I mean, look, of- we're, we're not, I, I don't, yeah, we're not, we're not here to sell, Sorry, I forgot the name of the platform, but, but yeah, you know, yeah. as, as someone, you know, you, you've clearly done a lot of research in this area, you know, what, what were you looking at? Yeah, for sure. So the, some of the things that it, that it should have, I guess, is, is uh, you know, from a coach's point of view, is the ability uh, to upload a lot of different kinds of media, right? It might be a post that you're just tapping into the keyboard, but it might also be uh, a video that you've taken. Um, or it might be a photo of your training log, uh, you know, your training training journal or something like that. So, you know, as you know, those features are, are stock standard on a, on a, um, a messenger or a WhatsApp or, or something yeah. along those lines, right? But again, this was a, a an opportunity to bring our athletes together and put them into leadership. Uh, groups as well and so different um at least my understanding my handle on things like line or whatsapp or hangout hangouts we were able to uh put people into their groups their collective um leadership groups and as coaches we can keep an eye over everything we can interact with the groups the individuals can interact with each other and with the group and so there's lots of layers to it you learn so you can you can really sort of unpack quite a lot and structure the group in a way that suits what you're trying to achieve, you know, based on your values or your, or your, uh, the culture you're trying to create in the team. So for us, you know, there, there was lots of different, um, opportunities or, or, or options out there. Um, and, you know, I think, I think that 
no matter which one you choose, there's always going to be, oh, I wish it could, you know, if only it could do this, that would be really, really helpful. And, and I've got to be mindful that, you know, as a coach, this is my preference in, in, in how to communicate with people, but it doesn't always gel with the rest of the group. So there's a little bit of, um, uh, I guess, working out the kinks from the athlete's point of view point of view as well and I've had a couple like the point that you make I've had a couple say can we just use a Facebook page please and and you know it's it's a matter of, yeah it's a matter of sort of working those kinks out okay how can we make this uh structure given the the platform we've got how can we make it work for you a little bit better so there's always that that transaction um is as you sort of work out the kinks I imagine you must have gotten a bit of resistance because uh, especially I think with uh, with with Ken also some of the competitors tend to be I don't know about the New Zealand, but sometimes you have some older folks who are maybe a little bit less open to to social media, or I don't know. In my, my experience, a lot of people attracted to Japanese martial arts tend not to be on the bleeding edge techno- of technology, uh, <laughs> just uh, in terms of their personality. So, like, well, I mean, did you get a lot of pushback from uh, from the from the athletes, people who are just flat out really not not willing to to engage or? Um, it's, yeah, it's an interesting question because what we, we, (laughs) (laughs) well, I mean, we're relatively early days in terms of the, um, uh, the selection of the team or what we're calling the arrangement or positioning of, of team members within the wider squad. Um, and I could probably share this because I won't mention any names. uh, Some feedback that I got recently was that I don't like to blog about my kendo. I don't like to, you know, uh, finish a training and then write a post about it, right? Um, and I totally get that, mate, because I'm not, I, I'm, I'm prone not to, to update my Facebook page at all, or even my LinkedIn profile very much. Either, right? I, I, I swung, I swung the thing a lot. I, I got kind of tired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, right? So, you know, w- within um certain sort of clear, uh, clear guidelines and frameworks. We ask for the athletes to, to break down what their thoughts are, you know, what their strengths are, what their work-ons are currently, those sorts of things, so that we can be uh, connected with our athletes as coaches and as selectors, know what they're thinking, what they're working on, how they see themselves, where they see themselves in the team. But going back to, the, to your question, you know, there's, there is a little bit of, um, uh, I guess, pushback in as much as people aren't comfortable sharing that level of intimacy about their, about their training. Right. And, uh, while I get that, because again, like I said, personally, I tend not to, to, uh, shout from the rooftops, you know, what, what my latest day was like, unlike my older brother tends to do, even though you probably argue that point. Um, you, the, the, the point is from, from a coaching perspective is like, we want to know, what you guys are up to, what, where's your head at, particularly now when you're not actually able to get on the floor. Like, like I said before, New Zealand is, is in a pretty strict lockdown. We're coming out of it this week, but it's meant that there's been zero uh, interaction, social interaction outside of, of your bubble. Uh, so no training. So what we've done uh, is we've put out these, what we call hashtag challenges, right? Um, and a hashtag challenge, for example, is, is uh, based on a, uh, a theme for that for that week, right? So it might be something like hashtag Sempo, right? The first position in the team. And what I've asked the, the athletes to do is is 
venture out into the uh, the World Wide Web, right? See what you can find on YouTube uh, from uh, a team a team event, and and notice what the sampod does differently to the jiho, right? Or um, another example might be once the sampod uh, scored a point, how did their behaviour change? Right? Did they continue to look for another one, or did they hold back? So the, there's clarity on what you're looking for in the hashtag sample challenge, bringing that back to the, to the app and deconstructing it and starting to think about, okay, this is what I've read in the strategy of these teams. And this is what I think his or her strength was and you know, how I fit in. And there's a lot of sort of things that you can start to unpack there. But the point is, in absence of being able to physically train, we're looking at Kendall. Uh, from you know uh, examples online in deconstructing that unpacking that uh, as part of your your own development. Why is that important? Well, like I said, you can't physically do it yourself at the moment. But when we start to read what's going on in a in a YouTube clip or something like that, we're starting to understand or recognise patterns in behaviour. And how important is that when we stand at the edge of a shiaijo waiting for us as you know our own. Uh, turn to, to go, right? If we can read the way in which people alter their strategy, uh, step things up or, or hold back, those sorts of things, we can start to realise, you know, we, what's my strategy going to be as I go out onto the floor rather than just going, oh, okay, he just got a kote on me. Do I take it back or what do I do? And then all the cards fall down, right? So we're starting to try and build that level of awareness, I guess, strategic awareness right right at this moment, like as, as, as best we can, given the limitations that we have. That's interesting. I remember uh, my, my, my first sensei, actually, uh, we used to always go over to her house afterwards. And, uh, you know, even for, for us, you know, uh, you know, Mudansha, we'd go in and, uh, and watch clips of, of ourselves at practice or, or other yeah. and she'd just always be pushing us to break down what's happening why did that person score a point or what's wrong with this person's uh, kata, this, that, and the other, um, and really, really push that. And it was, wasn't until I got, you know, tell the that I realized how, how unusual that was, but still. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's so useful. Yeah. It's, it's such a, yeah, it's, it's such a, um, such a key part of what we do. Like you, when you introduced me, Yulin, you, you mentioned um, pedagogy and that being, um, uh, the art and science of teaching and learning, basically how we teach, how we learn, uh, and, and you know, and improve that process. And my my research has been around coach pedagogy, where, you know, how we coach, how we learn um, in in the sporting context, right? And it's it's so off. You're absolutely right. It's so uh, uh, common practice for us to sort of finish up training, chuck our gear in the boot of the car and leave it there until the next. And the, and the thing is that, that for, for a lot of us thinking about Kendall doesn't happen to a very deep degree until the next time we go to the dojo. And that's fine because it's, you know, Kendall um, fills, fulfills a certain purpose for, you know, an individual purpose for all of us. So some of us aren't really worried too much about, you know, the strategy of a sempo in a team fight. It, 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 the all Japan uh, high school level, for example, you know, it just doesn't, it's not, it's not an important thing, but when we can start to encourage other ways in, in um, 
various ways, deeper ways of engaging or thinking about our candle, then the benefits are are numerous, right? And, and filling that spot in between training on Wednesday and training on Saturday is is potentially really, really valuable, despite what your motivation might be, right? Well, even even I think more more than that for me, a lot of it was just the 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 my, well, my my says I always used to talk about mitori geiko, right? As as though as one of the most important things you could do, and that that practice to look at what someone else is doing to break it down, and also to be able to to put it into words and and be specific about what you're seeing is a skill that has to be trained and uh, and it just uh, it seems like a lot of people don't seem to start developing that skill until they reach fourth or fifth dawn or aren't asked to develop that skill until fourth or fifth dawn when they're starting to, to have to step up and lead the class and and sometimes i think people find themselves ill prepared for that yeah yeah i think you're right mate and uh, it's it's not even uh limited to 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 grade uh, either I think from at least from my observations, if we can start to give younger Kenshi in the club a chance to you know articulate what they're thinking or, or what their observations are through mitori geko or uh, before, during, or after a keko, you know a jigeko or something like that, I think I think we'd probably be blown away uh, given you know given the chance. And it takes a little bit of time, you know, like you like you've said it. it we don't often get that opportunity up until a certain uh, level of responsibility in the dojo. So to break that ice takes a little bit of time potentially, but once you do, the the insights that that uh, whether it be a, a Q grade or a young person have is it's really exciting to to see sometimes, eh? Because they absorb so much more than what we give them in training. You It'd know, it's embarrassing for the the senpai in the dojo though to be like, oh, oh crap, that guy's noticed my the, the, the bad habit <laughs> my sense have been trying to correct for like three years now <laughs> <laughs> hey man for any feedback's good feedback eh? <laughs> so i can get back to the hashtag challenges um uh have there been any that have been uh, a bit of a uh, a bit of a flop or um uh, disastrous uh, it's not really, to be honest, not really at this stage. I think, um, I guess the, the wheels start to wobble a little bit, uh, given the current climate. And what I mean by that is that people have got so many other things going on, so many other things that they're, they're having to, to, to consider, whether it be their job, right? Job security, or whether it be, you know, family concerns or whatever the case may be. So Kendo sometimes, even at this high level, high performance level uh, in, in the national team, it needs to take a back seat. Um, and so, you know, I can provide uh, a great deal of um, uh, suggestions for the hashtag challenges and things like that. But at the end of the day, uh, whether they have the capacity to, to sort of delve into the, you know, the, the massive backlog of videos on YouTube or not is, is sort of up, up to them. So it's not so much that the hashtag challenges themselves, you know, don't get, um, uh, don't prompt sort of, you know, thought and things like that. It's whether the person has ca capacity to, to put towards thinking about Kendo uh, in that given moment. And I think that, you know, like I don't have a point of reference at this stage because the, the uh, pandemic has really sort of shaken everybody. So you have to have a certain amount of um, 
I guess, leeway for, for everybody working through those things. So I can let you know a little bit later in the campaign if, if some of them have just gone completely off track. But I will say one thing, in a Zoom meeting we had with the team the other day, uh, a suggestion was made from one of the um, one of the lads that, hey, can we suggest the hashtag challenges? Can we lead those? Rather than coach saying, okay, guys, hashtag um, uh, hikiwaza, you know, tell me what's relevant to you, you know, and, and they, they pick that up and run with it. So they're, they're thinking. Hell yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's unusual to get that, that level. Absolutely. Of, uh, Absolutely. So it's, it's really, it's really encouraging. Right. Um, and, and as a, as a, for instance, it hasn't started yet. We're, we're kicking off with that uh, from next week. Uh, but as an example, you know, they want to know more about uh, mental skills training. What can we do? beyond the physical, the technical, uh, the tactical, what can we do to get ourselves sharp and ready for competition? Um, and this isn't anything new in the sports sector and in, in the wider sports world. Uh, and it's not necessarily unusual in, in Kindle either. We've got different ways of, uh, of working through focus and, and, and attention and all those sorts of psychological skills. Uh, but being athlete-led, it means that they can start to go, right, I really struggle with nerves before a, a fight, so how can I, you know, how can I access advice for that sort of stuff, right? So it's exciting. Like you say, it's really, really cool that they're leading that process themselves. I've heard uh, for, for that, like a ritual or creating some sort of ritual or thing um, before, before a match uh, is, is often, I guess, recommended whether it be listening to specific music or, uh, or uh, like a basketball is a lot of my mind lately because I've been watching that uh, Michael Jordan documentary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Last Dance. But, the Last Dance, uh, yeah. yeah. Dribble twice, stick your tongue out, and yeah. <laughs> create that, that sort of muscle memory to, to get yourself in, in the right mood. Um, sure. That's what absolutely. I is, is Is that... Absolutely, yeah, absolutely right, man. Okay. Yeah, so the routines, um, the routines that athletes uh, engage in before before a competition or before you know anything that's sort of uh, a little bit high pressure or whatever the case may be, they're absolutely key uh, in my in my perspective from my perspective as coach uh, because what it does is it it allows you to take control to the best of your ability of of the situation. What's going on within your you know, your space. You can't control the way the referee reacts, for example. You can't necessarily control to any great degree what the opponent will do, you know, in a kendo contest. But you can control the way that you're going to uh, approach it, the way you're going to frame it, and the where, where you're going to put your attention in that moment, right? So going through those rituals or those routines is, a, is just such a, a massive part of what we can do um, to put ourselves in the best position to get the best result. Notice I didn't say win, but to put ourselves in the best position to get the best result, right? Because it might be, you learn that depending on your position in the team, for example, to go out for a win is putting yourself in a lot of danger, you know, to be picked off for a Devanakote or, a, you know, some sort of Kaishiwaza or whatever. It could be that getting hikiwake in that moment, in that fight, is the right thing to do. But unless we're very, very clear in control of what we're doing, we might miss that cue, right? So those routines are, are absolutely key for sure. 
I mean, it, it sounds a bit like during, at least during the uh, this, this coronavirus period, I, I guess this this online platform has stressed a lot the 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 like the mental or strategic aspects. Do you expect that focus to shift um, and the way the online platform gets utilized to be to shift once people can start training in person again? I think um, it's a really good question, Mike, because you know I'm doing a little bit of research with a, f- uh, a few other. Um, sports teams at the moment in New Zealand rugby is really big, right? So they're working through how, how their athletes uh, at the Crusaders are, are dealing with um, the online approach. And, and, you know, it, it works to a certain point. It fills, it fulfills a certain need, but at the end of the day, we're talking about sports people and they, you know, they want to be, and they need to be out there physically moving their body, whatever the sport requires. And so, I think what we're doing at the moment is fulfilling our need, but when the opportunity comes and we can go and train again, we absolutely prefer that to solely being online. The key for us, um, I guess, as coaches or as educators, again, drawing on my, um, my work at the university, is to figure out how to make that transition uh, not only smooth, but to leverage off what we've achieved in the online space as well. So it becomes not so much a, a, a thought from, oh, you remember 2020 when that whole mess happened and we had to move online, but to how do we how do we maintain some of the good things that we were able to achieve and combine those, right? So whether that be what they call flip learning or blended, you know, uh, whatever the ca- uh, case may be. I think as a coach, what in, in, in an educator more broadly, what we can think about is that this is a a, a diverse approach to, to to educating or to coaching, and some athletes really like the online approach. Some athletes really really prefer <laughs> the the physical, right, the the face to face in the flesh. But it's so important, no matter what the context, whether it be sport or in the classroom, that we acknowledge that people have different learning preferences as well as teaching preferences, right? So if we can, you know, I guess think about it as putting another feather in our cap, another bow, you know, in the, in the things that we've got more and more uh, scope to how we deliver our content and how we engage with athletes, then we're only going to be moving from strength to strength. I think if we forget about it completely, uh, it would be a shame. It would be a waste because we're learning new skills as coaches and as athletes to, to get information from different sources. It, it's, uh, it just makes sense that we hold on to it as best as we can. Right. I guess, I mean, yeah, even, uh, even if people start do getting, do start getting back into the dojo, the team is still spread out so widely geographically. You guys aren't, aren't ever going to be able to, to get into one space to train together. Not often. That's right. And and again, like we said at the start, this was a um, a pre-pandemic decision. So yeah, exactly. We're we're dotted all over the globe. Um, so how do we connect and, and maintain or develop the culture? Because as you say, the next time that we're going to see each other, hopefully, uh, is going to be in Paris, twenty twenty one, and that's all together, right? Um, so you know, maintaining a certain culture and, and set of expectations is 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 really really key. So if we can do that via an app, whether we do it on Facebook or WhatsApp or Coach Now, it doesn't really matter as long as it's it's, it's happening. You know what I mean? 
I mean, this sort of also leads you to, to, to a question I've been thinking about for, for a long time, which is like, how, how much can you, can you coach or teach mar Jap traditional Japanese martial arts online? Like how much is even, is even possible? Um, counter question, why wouldn't it be? I mean, <laughs> the, uh, I know, no, I know exactly. Well, I mean, because, I mean, because, because when I talk to Japanese sensei about it, right, the, 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 the it's, it's almost as if they've all been reading from the same, uh, the same prepared speech, right? It's the essence of this can only be taught in person through crossing swords, uh, watching from videos or, or other things, uh, you're, or from books, you're going to learn the wrong way and, and absolutely develop bad habits that will, you will never be able to fully erase. You know, it's, it's just the, the flat is, it's just not possible. There's so much to unpack. There's so much to unpack there, mate. I love it. It's awesome. Um, how much time do I have? Well, okay. First thing. First thing. I really firmly believe that we don't coach kendo. We don't instruct kendo. I, I know that people don't like that word "coach" when we talk about budo, right? But just <laughs> semantics aside, we don't instruct kendo. We teach people, right? So it, it's a really important thing to remember that, that in that in that exchange, right, it doesn't really matter what the sport or the Buddha or the activity is. We're dealing with people and people have different uh, understandings and interpretations of that content, right? So that leads me into the next part of, of what you said, you know, what you suggested, that there's, there's a wrong way to, to do something. You know, the, and, and that sort of really kind of irks me a little bit as a um, someone who's done kendo for, you know, oh, God, I don't know, 25-odd years since I was a little fella um, to now. It, and there's this idea. So, like, I've been brought up with exactly what you've you've said. You know, there's a there's a there's an ideal way to do kendo. Uh, let's move away from correct, for example. Let's just say... There's an ideal way to, to do Kindle. There's some things only you can learn through the Kenshin, right? Somehow yeah, like, we, doing this with another person's Shinai uh, is, 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 is osmosis or some sort of electric. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's no way that, that I would suggest that, you know, um, the depth of learning that you can get online Will surpass what you can do, in, you know, face to face. Like this is the essence of what we do, for sure, right? But there's all sorts of ways that we can get uh, understand or deepen our understanding. Uh, like I was talking about before, there's diversity in the way people prefer to learn and to to absorb that information. For us to sort of think, well, there's an ideal way to do kendo. There's an ideal way to execute a waza or or to strike men or, or whatever the case may be. I think is a little bit outdated. And I think that if you uh, if you really thought about it, and, and this is this is what I'm chewing over at the moment as a, as a national coach for New Zealand, how do we get better at Kiwi Kendo at New Zealand style of, of Kendo, right? Not the Japanese way, not the Korean way, not the uh, American way. Those those countries develop their own understanding, their own culture and their own set of values and, and, and expectations in their own context, right? We need to do that in 
the developing nations, I believe, really, really, uh, in order for us to, to, to progress on the world stage, if we keep trying to do Japanese correct kendo, we're only going to get good at Japanese kendo. And who's the best at doing Japanese kendo, Yulin? The Japanese, right? So, <laughs> so for us to do well uh, on the nas- on the sorry, in the, in the global stage, we need to figure out what kendo is and means to us as New Zealanders, right? And it, it applies to every other. Uh, Kendo nation out there, like how do we develop Kendo that's relevant to the people uh, in our teams or in our clubs or in our dojo or in our federation? And so shifting away from that idea that there's one ideal way to do it uh, is really important, I think. So embracing uh, technology to teach Kendo right now is a needs must sort of a thing. Moving forward or just more broadly, again, keep coming back to that idea that we've got different ways of, of absorbing information. There's another key piece to this, mate, and that is that um, young people have different expectations. They have different uh, uh, understandings and appreciations for you know, different mediums. Um, we make the assumption that all young people know how to use technology, which is not necessarily true. Definitely. I can consider young and I'm not. Um, but the, the idea is that uh, we we have to sort of be open to to providing that information, uh, whether it be content or concept, right? Philo- uh, philosophy or, or history or whatever it is, in different mediums, so that we can capture the minds of more people. Otherwise, we're just going to be sort of reinventing the wheel each time, each time, each time. And in order for the sport, sorry, in order for the arts to evolve. I think it's really important that we embrace different ways of of delivering that information, right? And getting different voices as a part of it. Like we talked about before, the athletes going, hey, can we do it this way, please? You know, it's like, go for it. You know what I mean? Like I've got absolutely no ego wrapped up in this. If if that's where you want to take it, by all means. And if you think that it's rubbish, let me know. And that's a really hard thing, I think, to do in the context of kendo because of the hierarchy the joge kanke that we adopt um, from a you know an Eastern uh, approach. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm saying that if we can be flexible about that outside of Japan, I think we can only benefit from it. You know what I mean? Well, that certainly sounds like a, a topic that I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into, <laughs> but uh, maybe maybe for another time. Yeah, by all means, mate. I, I don't mind ruffling feathers, Yulan. It's all good, mate. It's good. <laughs> well, uh, as, as you may have seen from some of my um, posts of uh, The Skeptic, uh, I, I also do do enjoy um, pissing some people off sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's about, challenging, it's about challenging our assumptions. And I know that that sounds a little bit... Uh, uh, Very Western. Yeah, conehead academic Western literature. Um, but it's really, really important because, you know, part of the conversation is how do we grow Kendall? How do we get more people doing this? How do we, how do we celebrate this art across more and more uh, cultural boundaries, uh, age, gender, everything? We want to grow the art. I don't think anybody doing Kendall, anyone watching or listening to this is going to, to argue with that point. I mean, you and I have talked about this before, right? Uh, sort of the, 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 or sort of brainstorm a little bit about it, like the, uh, what makes for a successful dojo? Right? There's, there's almost no material out there that, that I've seen on 
well, how do you run and build uh, a successful club? Like how, uh, how do you, what, what can you do to attract people? What makes people stay? Um, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. What, what are the characteristics of successful dojos and non-successful dojos? And not just in terms of, oh, this dojo has produced a lot of really strong people. Yeah, I think, again, coming back to that, that um, comment I made before about we don't coach sport, we coach people. I think uh, there's a lot in there in terms of what service we provide, um, what culture we champion uh, in our dojo, you know, what expectations we have as instructors, as senpai, uh, and even as learners, you know, of, of our senpai and our instructors, you know, and that sort of that culture, those values is a really important thing to, to consider. I had a question the other day asked of me when I was talking to um, Hiroi Mafuji uh, in a sort of, in a similar ex- exchange, you know, is it okay the question was, I'm paraphrasing, is it okay to uh, have a little bit of fun with adult beginners or should they go straight into the reggae, you know, this is how you put your kakugi on, this is how you do seza, uh, this is how you bow in and out and those sorts of things. And my response was essentially what I've been talking about. It depends on what you want to champion in your club. You know, what are the values that you want to install? How do you want people to think about your your club, right? Uh, and their experience with your club. So, you know, there's, I don't believe there's a right or wrong answer there. If people want to come in and they expect a certain regimented approach to, to Kendall, and that's what they were looking for when they came, you know, potentially you're, you're looking at some successful, uh, a successful intake of, of beginners. At the same time, I think it's really important to remember that old and young people, engage in physical activity because they enjoy it. They enjoy the camaraderie. They enjoy the social aspect. You know, not all of us want to be world champion. Not all of us are even remotely motivated by competition. So what is it that they're there for? Potentially, really, you know, the research would tell us in all number of different Western countries that people are there for the camaraderie, for the social connection. So how do you facilitate that social connection? Um, would probably be a pretty big piece of the conversation, I think, in terms of your question, how do you run a successful club? You know what I mean? Particularly outside of Japan, right? Maybe we can pick that up uh, next time. Just uh, in the interest of time, uh, I think we can maybe, uh, maybe wrap it here. But I just wanted to, to thank you for uh, for your time. Uh, and My we'll pleasure, man. I guess we'll talk again soon. Good as going. Thanks, Yulin. Cheers, man. All right, cheers.